right, y'all, find y'all seats for me, please. Yo, shout out to uh, shout out to Lil Stu for the track. That's hype, bro. I'm glad that played. That's dope. I wanted to just keep going, Karen. I did. Okay. Well, what's up, guys? Uh, like Jalen was saying, I'm RP. Uh, I'm one of the thank you. <laughs> I'm one of the leaders here. Um, I work here now, so that's cool. Um, I don't really, yeah, I don't know since I work here now what my title is, but there's been a fake title going around that I'm a reverend, and so Jalen said it, that I'm a reverend. I don't know if that's it, but uh, first off, free, shout out to you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak. Shout out to Elm in Denver. I know y'all aren't here, but y'all hear this on the podcast. Um, so tonight, I wanted to talk to y'all about Daniel, and so I was at home trying to figure out what I want to talk about, what does God put on my heart, and he's like, read Daniel. I was like, okay, God. What about Daniel? It's like, well, you got to read it first to, you know, find what I want to give to you. So I go get in Daniel, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, okay, there's some fire here. There's some fire there. Ooh, that's an Instagram post right there. All that type stuff. And so I just decided, like, God, you want me to talk about his life for the most part. We're going to look at half the book of Daniel. So we're going to go chapter 1 through chapter 6. And so all we're going to do is I'm going to present Daniel the way God presented it to me, try to have some fun with it. Um, and, yeah, we're just going to pull out. Little, little pieces of fire, little, little nugs. Logan likes to say nugs. Little nugs. Um, and I'm going to ask y'all some questions along the way. That sound cool? Everybody down with that? Yeah. All right, bet. So to give y'all some context, Daniel, he's growing up. He's a teenager. Um, then this man, this king, he comes into his land. His name's Nebuchadnezzar. He conquers his land, and he's like, I'm going to take all y'all's people, and y'all are going to come to where I stay in Babylon. And so he takes all the people, and not only does he take the people, but he's like, okay, I want the best and the brightest out of this, this group of slaves right here. So first off, Daniel is a slave. And he's looking around, he's like, I want the smartest, I want the most handsome. Girls, I know y'all like that. Uh, I want the most handsome, I want the athletic, the cool. And so Daniel and his friends, they fit the description. He had three friends. Um, and so what we also see right here is Daniel stood out amongst the crowd. So they get to the palace, and the king's like, welcome to my crib. What's up? Um, hey, I'm going to give you all my type of food, my, my drink. So I got, we got McDonald's. I think of a food court when I read this. He's like, we got McDonald's over here. We got some uh, Chick-fil-A in the back, Arby's in the back. Not a lot of people go there, but we got it. Um, and so he's telling all this. He's like, I got wine for y'all, too. I got that the drink like he's like I got that for y'all um and Daniel and his friends are just like "Ooh, this isn't really us like we're more of the whole foods type people like we like kale we like salad um tropical smoothie like that's their vibe they want that type stuff and so they're at this point they're talking to the guard and Daniel's like hey is there any chance that you know we can get some of the stuff that we ate back where we're from and he's just like y'all I can't do this for you if I do this for you I'm gonna get fired and if you got fired in biblical times you just got killed like your, your, your top's getting popped. Like, that's, that's what it is. Um, and so he was like, I can't do this. And Daniel's like, can you just give us 10 days? Give us 10 days to eat the way we eat, and we'll show you that we're going to look way better than the other guys. The other guys are going to be trash. We're going to be healthy. We're going to be fit. You don't want to put us in a magazine. And so he's like, okay. It says in the word, it says God softened the guard's heart. And so he got them that food. And what's crazy about this is, like, like I said at the beginning, Daniel's a slave. His friends are slaves. So this is bold for him to do this. This is going against the culture. As a slave, you don't talk to a guard and be like, hey, I'm not eating what you're giving me. Like, give me something else. Like, that, that should get you killed. And he was bold for that. He was also bold because with being put in the palace, he, uh, when you get put in the palace, like, you're better off than all the other slaves out there. And so, like, he's getting this free food. Um, the king was also like, hey, after three years, I'm going to teach y'all. Um, 
how to, how to learn our ways, how to do the things we do in Babylon, and then I'm going to give you a job. So he had all that stuff. He had a bougie lifestyle, but he was like, no, this doesn't line up with God. This isn't my culture, how God raised us to be. This goes against my culture. I can't do that. His friends were the same type way. And so I got my first question for y'all. Are you bold enough in your convictions to go against the culture you're around? Y'all, culture today, I'll give our culture props. Like, they're good at calling out what's right and what's wrong, but they'll cancel you in a second. Like, that quick, they'll cancel you. And when your truth that you know is from God goes up against the truth of the world, you've got to be strong in your convictions and say, am I going to stand for what God has put in my heart, what I know is true, or am I going to fold and let the world tell me what to do? And not only was... Daniel doing this, but his friends were doing it as well. He was surrounded by people who were having the same convictions. They could have easily been like, hey, you know, Daniel, we did the whole God thing back where we lived. Like, this is really nice. Like, we get free food. We're going to get a job. We don't have to really do much here. Like, we, could, we should take this opportunity. But they didn't. Their convictions were just as strong as Daniel's. And they stood by those convictions. And so my next question for you is, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are there solid people who will stand with you? When you're, when you're dealing with things like this, when people are pressing you, trying to get you off your game, trying to throw God out the window, do you have people around you who you can fall back on and you can stand tall on your convictions but know you got a group behind you doing the exact same thing? Okay? So, uh, this is, so God blesses them because of this. They chose to be faithful to God, and he's like, all right, I'm going to bless y'all. So we're going to be in Daniel 1, 17 through 20, and this is how God blessed them. To these four young men, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in this whole kingdom. So God blessed their faithfulness. So now we're going to jump into chapter 2. So King Nebuchadnezzar, the guy who brought Daniel and his friends here, he starts having bad dreams. He can't sleep. He's staying up all night. Like, he doesn't know what to do. He says, bring all my magicians, bring my interpreters, bring anybody who's smart. Just, just let, me, let me have them around me. Let me try to uh, get somebody to tell me what these dreams mean. And nobody can do it. Everyone, they have one job. They can't do it. <laughs> like, if you're an interpreter and someone asks you to interpret a dream, you should be able to do it, right? They couldn't do it. So Nebuchadnezzar, he starts getting mad, and we look in Daniel 2.5, and he says, The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces, and your house is turned into piles of rubble. Y'all, I don't think anyone was playing when they threatened to cut you into pieces. Like, someone can say that. Like, one of us can say that. We know it's not going to happen. You're a king. You say you're going to cut somebody into pieces. You're getting cut into pieces. Like, that's what's going to happen to you. Um, but then they're like, they try to buy some more time, and they're like, King, just give us some more time. He does. He's like, okay, y'all are wasting my time. So you know what? Go ahead. Kill everybody. Uh, kill everybody who's a wise man. Well, Daniel and his friends, they hear this, and they're wise men. Like, that's their job. And so Daniel, he goes to the king, and he's like, he's like, king, what's up, man? Like, how's it going? Um, how you doing? My name's Daniel. I happen to be one of the wise men, and I heard you're going to kill all of us. I really haven't got my shot at, you know, trying to interpret the dream. Do you think I can get a chance? And so the king's like, okay. Sure, whatever. Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. You'll probably not be able to do it either. And so Daniel goes back home. He goes to his friends, and he's like, we got to figure out this dream. Here's what it says in Daniel 2, 17 through 19. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was, was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So y'all, Daniel could have easily been like, okay, let me go talk to these other magicians, all these other people. Let me get, I can get a scoop on like what they were thinking the dream was. Like maybe we can compare notes. Or he could have even been like, I'm just going to go off by myself, try to figure this out. Or he could have gone home and said to his friends like, hey, we're going to figure this out. Let's, let's take care of this. We got it. We can do it on our own. His very first move is let's go to God. That was his very first move. Daniel went to God first. Who is your first call during hard times? When you're struggling, are you going to social media? Are you going to friends? Are you going to your own mind? God gives Daniel a vision. Um, he gives him a vision. He tells, I'm not going to go deep into, into um, the dream that he had, but Daniel has this dream from God, and he goes to tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream. And basically, he tells, he, he like butters up Nebuchadnezzar, and he's like, hey, God says you're a great king, you're all this, you're all that. But basically, to summarize it, he's like, there's going to be a lot of kingdoms that rise, and there's going to be kingdoms that fall, and then eventually, there's going to be God's kingdom that is above all that. So that happens, and Nebuchadnezzar is so relieved. He's like, okay, this is so great. This is amazing. And so Daniel 2, 47 through 49, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So Daniel's faithfulness to God gave him the ability to interpret dreams, and then he was able to reach the king of the entire nation for God. And because of that, Daniel gets promoted. But the first thing Daniel tries to do is like, hey, can I bring my boys with me? Like, they're just as good as I am. And Nebuchadnezzar is like, yeah, for sure. Daniel's promotion got other people promoted. Are you living to help others get promoted? Is it all about you? Are you just trying to do what's best for me? Like, thanks, guys, for getting me to where I am, but I'm on my own now. Or are you trying to help others reach levels that you're reaching? So... Then we get to Daniel 3, not going to get deep into that. That's when his friends become Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get thrown in the furnace. If y'all want to hear that story, check out the podcast. Shameless plug. Free talked about that last week. Um, Daniel wasn't really in that chapter. He was kind of like, Daniel was kind of like the friend who, whenever you want to hang out, he's always got work. That was this type of situation. So he's not in chapter 3. But then we get to chapter 4. Going to summarize this too. Nebuchadnezzar's back at it. He's dreaming, having bad dreams. Basically, Daniel tells him, hey, you're going to go live like a cow for seven years. Like, you're going to lose your mind, live like a cow until you, until you decide God is the almighty God. So now we're in chapter five. So his son, Belshazzar, his son is now king. And so Belshazzar is young, dumb, and not broke. And I know a lot of y'all are two of the three in that right there. Y'all can pick y'all's too. You know which one's you. Um, but he's young, dumb, and not broke, and so he's throwing a party. He's going wild. He's got his friends there. He's got his wives there. Yes, plural, many wives. He's got his uh, lady friends there who are just friends. Y'all know what that, I think y'all know what that means. Okay. They're there, <laughs> and they're just hanging out. They're partying. They're having a great time. They even have the, uh, the goblets that they stole from Jerusalem that his dad took, and they're drinking out of it, and they're, they're praying. I haven't really heard of these gods, but the silver god, gold god, wood god, all this is in the word. And they're just having a great time. And I imagine it. They're, like, playing music, partying, whatever. Like, Belshazzar's about to hit the Dougie or something. And then all of a sudden, he sees this hand. 
and it starts writing on the wall and it freaks him out. He gets so scared. Like it says that his face turns pale, his legs start shaking. And I was reading this with Alex. Alex was like, well, my Bible says he soiled himself. And I was like, ooh, not the grown man soiling himself. That's crazy. <laughs> but he soiled himself. You know what that means? Just go ask somebody. It's cool. But he sees this writing on the wall, and he freaks out. And so he's like, yo, can y'all please go get my, go get my, he acts just like his dad, y'all. He said, go get the magicians. Go, go get the interpreters. Go get anybody smart. See if they can tell me what the writing on this wall means. They all come. Once again, they don't know how to do their job. Nobody can tell them. So he's freaking out. He's pale, legs shaking, soiled himself. Um, and the queen's like, hey, there's this one guy who's in your kingdom. He helped, before your dad went crazy, sorry to mention him, but before your dad went crazy, like this man Daniel helped him. Maybe we could get him to help you now. And so the king's like, okay, yeah, go get Daniel. Go give me a new pair of pants. Go get him. Like, let, bring him in here. Let's go get him. And so he goes and he gets Daniel. And Daniel comes and he interprets, the, he interprets the writing on the wall, and it's, it's bad news for Belshazzar. Check this out. Daniel 5, 25 through 31. This is the inscription that was written. And I'm sorry if I butchered these words, y'all, but I'm going to do my best. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Here's what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple and gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. And y'all, what's crazy about this is even if you go back up to Daniel 5:17, the king's like, hey, I'll give you, I'll give you this purple robe, so he's going to give him a fit. I'll give you a nice gold chain, so you know, you'll be looking good. And he's like, I'm going to promote you to number three. But in verse 17, Daniel's like, no, you can keep your stuff. I don't want it. But I'll still, I'll still tell the dream for you. And so it's kind of crazy to me that every time Daniel goes to interpret a dream, it's pretty much bad news for the person who has the dream. Like, it's so bad. But then they still choose to honor him. And my question for you is, are you a person, are you being a person worth honoring regardless of the situation? So if you have that conversation with the ex or the former bestie, can you come out of that situation and they can feel, they can honor you or you can honor them? Are you being someone who's worth being honored, whether it's good or whether it's bad? Okay, now we're gonna get into Daniel 6. So now, Daniel, uh, excuse me, sorry. I gotta make my font bigger. <laughs> uh, so now, Belshazzar, he gets killed. Darius is taken over and Darius knows that Daniel's, he's a cool dude. Like, he's worth having around. He is somebody that he needs in his kingdom. And so he wants to put Daniel in charge of everyone. Daniel 6.3 says, Now, excuse me. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, if that's how you say it, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So, the others didn't like that. They were like, who is Daniel to, to get this role? Like, we deserve it. If anybody deserves it, it's us. We don't really like Daniel. He's not, he doesn't deserve to be there. We got to figure out how to get rid of him. So then we see Daniel 6, 4 through 5. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. 
Finally, these men said, we will never find any bias, any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Just a little side note, if your biggest fault is that you serve God too well, that's a good spot to be in. So I got to strive for that. Y'all should strive for that. But so they're like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get him in trouble? And so they start scheming plans up and they go to they go to Darius and they're like, hey, Darius, what's up, man? How you doing? Nice sandals. Nice crown. Like, you look good, man. How you doing? Um, now, we have an idea, and feel free to say no to this, but what if people could only pray to you? Like, nobody else, nobody else could pray to any other God but you. And if they did, let's just say they get thrown in the lion's den. And so Darius is like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I like being worshipped. Um, that lion's den part might be a little dark, but if that's what y'all feel like you need to do, like, go ahead, do it. And so... They also, they knew that, like, if Darius knew that Daniel was someone who prayed to the one true God, that he, he was going to be, he wouldn't have done it because Darius was trying to promote Daniel. And so he's like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Um, let's make the decree. So they write it. They put it out. Everybody hears about it. Check out what Daniel does when he finds this out. Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just that he had done before. Y'all, Daniel was intentional. Like, who hears, if you do this thing, we're going to kill you for it. Then you go home and do the exact thing that's going to get you killed. Like, that's so crazy that he would choose to do that. And I'm thinking, like, if I'm Daniel, I'll probably be like, God, this is only going to last for, like, 30 days. And on the 31st, I'll be back. I'll be praying back on the 31st. Or at least I'm going to, like, close the door and be like, God, I'm... I know I'm, the door is not open, but I'm still praying to you. Like, I'm doing my job somewhat. But Daniel, he goes in there and he just, like, busts the doors open and is like, God, sorry. So I wasn't there. I was reading some decree, but I can't praise you. And then he falls to his knees and does it three times a day. And so <laughs> Daniel, he prayed without hesitation. If he was somebody who only prayed to God every now and then, or it's like, I'll be faithful to God every now and then, he would have easily been like, yeah, I'm not. I'm just going to take a break. I won't pray to you. Like, I'm going to save my life. But he didn't do that. And something that stuck out to me was Daniel was so consistent and faithful to God that his enemies knew they could count on him to pray. Are you so committed to God that even people who discredit your beliefs can count on you to serve him? That right there, God put that in my brain. I was like, God, I'm just going to put the question out there. I'm not going to say nothing else about it because I can't do any better than that. You're going to have to talk to the people by themselves because that is fire right there. Um, so they go by, they go by Darius uh, and the guys are like, Hey, what's up, Darius? What's good, man? Crown still looking good. Like, how you doing? Uh, yeah, we just saw Daniel. He was praying. He was praying. And so Darius knew who Daniel was and he was like, dang it. I forgot Daniel doesn't pray to me. He prays the one true God. And so he's tripping. He's like, but it's okay. Cause I'm the king and we can, you know, we can just Take it away. It'll be fine. And the guys are like, no, if you do that, people are going to think you're a weak king. You don't want to be you don't want to be a weak king, do you? And Darius is kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to be weak. So Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. And all Daniel can or all Darius can say is that, hey, I hope your God protects you the way that I know he can protect you. And so they these guys knew, like I said earlier, these guys knew that Daniel had favor with Darius. And so they had to go. They had to talk to Darius without Daniel knowing. What they underestimated was Daniel's favor with God. And so Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. And Darius is, he can't sleep. He's in one of those type situations where, you know, you're trying to fall asleep and you look over the clock and like three minutes pass by. 
look over again, it's a minute, it feels like it's been three hours. So he's tossing and turning all night. It says he had no entertainment, did nothing fun. And then Daniel 6, 19, 22 says, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, excuse me, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you. Y'all, the first thing I notice about these, these verses is when Darius comes running up and, being, and he's like, Daniel, are you good? Are you good? Daniel shows him honor. He straight up shows him honor. He says, long live the king. I don't know about y'all, but like if somebody threw me in a lion's den and I survived and they're like, hey, bro, are you good? Are you good? I'm not saying like, hey, long live you, bro. Like, congrats. I'm not doing that. I'm like, yes, fool. I'm alive. Now get me out of here. I'm tired of being with lions. Like, that's my approach to it. But Daniel chose honor. Are you honoring in your struggle? When someone does you wrong, how do you choose to respond? Are you being hateful? Are you turning the other cheek like Jesus? Are you choosing to be different than how Daniel was in this situation? Right away, Darius pulls Daniel out of the lines then, and he's like, hey, get everybody. Get everybody who tried to do this man dirty. Throw them in the lines then, but don't only throw them in there. Get their wives, get their kids, put them in there. It says the guy, it says that before they touched the ground, they were overpowered by lions. Y'all, that was supposed to be Daniel's fate, but he had favor with God, and God protected him through the night. Nebuchadnezzar, or Darius couldn't sleep. Daniel probably slept really well, probably used a lion as a pillow. Like, he was chilling. <laughs> you like that? Um, he was chilling. Um, Daniel's, so then Darius is like, I'm making a new decree. And I love this because he makes a decree that is of God, and that decree tops the decree of man. God's always going to win. Man versus God, God wins every single time. Y'all, this is what happens. Daniel 6, 25 through 27. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language and all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of lions. Y'all, Daniel's faith led to faith being spread across an entire nation. So what does that mean for y'all? It means your faith has the ability to change an entire nation. You walk out this door, you look on your phone, you look on TV, you're seeing a cry for God everywhere. It may not say cry for God, but you can tell that God is needed. And how are people going to know that God's needed without seeing your faith? We've got to put it out there. And what I, this part of the story is what I feel like God put on my heart the most. Because when I first started thinking about Daniel, this is what came to mind, this story of the lion's den. And I think it's because a lot of y'all are in here. He was showing me, a lot of y'all are in a den of lions. And you're not only in a den of lions, but those lions have names. Anger, fear, pride, drinking, whatever you want to do to fill in the blank, put it in there. And then for some of y'all, Y'all put y'all's, y'all, y'all cheer y'all's lions like pets. And what I mean by that is you put it on display. Example, I'm at all the parties. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Of course, I'm going to flex on everybody with my status, my clothes, my car. I got money. I got it like that. Okay? Try these. Look how much I serve at Sunday service or elevation. You look on the Instagram, I'm in all the back of the photos. I'm not the main photo. I'm in the back serving. That's me. Okay? That's pride. 
Yeah, I'll invite people to church, but only the ones I think belong here. Those other people will never change. They don't need a chance. Hey, I don't want to gossip or anything, but so-and-so could use a lot of prayer right now. They, they've been into some stuff. Y'all, these lions, there's only two ways to deal with them. You can deal with them like Daniel, be faithful, you can honor all around, and you can always look to God, which led to Daniel being protected, which would lead to your protection. Or you can be like his enemies. You can be devoured. You can be, before you touch the ground, consumed by the lions in your life. Guys, let's be like the verse. You don't have to, you don't have to be attacked by lions. Let God shut the mouths of your lions. What is that going to take for you? What is it going to take for you to let God shut the mouths of your lions? Is it getting rid of some friends? Is it deleting apps? Is it getting that Bible, wiping the dust off of it, and opening it up? Not just on the phone, but opening up a paper Bible so you can feel the living word of God. Like, what is it going to be for you to say, I am tired of being in this den. I want the faithfulness. I want the honor. I want to honor people who do me dirty. I want to honor the people who are good to me. I want to be protected by God. Or... Just let them all attack you. You don't have to do that. And maybe you felt like in the past that you're being attacked and that's all you know and it just keeps repeating and repeating. The beautiful thing is it doesn't have to keep happening. It doesn't. All you have to do is pray to God. And it sounds so simple. Pray to God, he'll take care of me, yada, yada, yada. No, it's real. Prayer is real. Prayer is powerful. Daniel didn't pray three times a day because he tried to look cute. He didn't open his windows for people to see him. He opened his window so he could look at God and say, God, I'm serving you. They're coming for my life. I'm serving you. You are in control of my life. Let God shut the mouths of your lines, y'all. It's, it's something you got to deal with between you and God. I can sit up here and preach at you. Free can preach at you. Your friends, your parents can preach at, preach at you. But it's got to be something within you. It's got to be something that says, God, I need you to get me out of this den. Or if I'm in this den, I need you to be there with me. I need your protection. What are you going to do to get that protection? Let's pray.